0: Hello all you hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hardheaded Sports Podcast, episode number 33, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. Happy Easter, everybody. If you do celebrate it, we're going to keep the show a little bit short today so you can go and enjoy your Easter weekend. Hopefully some of you are on your way to Easter Church right now, if that's something that you do. Even if you celebrate it, or if you don't, I hope you're having a fantastic weekend. Uh, I was watching NBA basketball the other night, uh, the Warriors versus the Heat, and I saw something that had me rolling on my sides in laughter. It was just too, too funny, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, Everybody knows who Draymond Green is. He's a forward for the Golden State Warriors, a huge integral part of the championship teams from a couple of years ago. He was uh, backing down uh, in the post against Duncan Robinson, who if you're up to date on your basketball, he is a shooting guard for the Miami Heat, stands about 6'7", 215 pounds, but it looks like he could very well be under 200 pounds. Uh, He's he's a very, very thin guy, very speedy. Obviously, he's a three-point specialist. He is not known for being a, let's just say, a hardened post player. He is not known for that, not in the slightest. So here's Draymond Green backing down Duncan Robinson in in the third quarter I believe and and Dray- Draymond Green you know does a, a couple of dribbles backs him down shoots a hook shot or a layup I can't quite remember which and you know fouls called it's an and one Duncan Robinson fouls him <laughs> and Draymond Green goes to the camera And he flexes his muscle And he, and he goes ah You know that, that big tough guy basketball mentality Where even if it's just like a, a super soft play They still feel the need to flex their muscles Like you could literally smack somebody on the shoulder And just be like And one uh, That super super tough guy Macho uh, muscle flexing from Draymond Green And I don't know whether Draymond is just the master troll Or he's the most oblivious basketball player On the court on that night But uh, this man, flexing over Duncan Robinson, who, if you see a picture of Duncan Robinson, he, as I said, is not a particularly skilled player in the post. It just striked me as super funny. I wanted to share that, and I, I hope some of you saw it as well and had the same reaction that I did. I, That was just kind of a, a real chuckle, uh, watching the basketball game and and... <laughs> Ended up just bursting out in laughter on my couch, but regardless of that, I do hope that you guys have had a fantastic week. Again, if you celebrate Easter, happy Easter. Uh, The show will be coming out before then, but I probably won't get a chance to talk to you After this, so Easter will have come and gone, so happy Easter, everybody. Going to be a shorter show. As I said today, we're going to continue our NFL free agency grades. It's the NFC East today, and there has been a lot of talk surrounding the first couple picks in the NFL draft. Obviously, that gigantic trade between the San Francisco 49ers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Philadelphia Eagles happened last week, but... The repercussions and the talking points, the aftermath have been building up and are still really relevant. So a lot of talk has been going in and out of your, your, your favorite news networks about who exactly the uh, the San Francisco 49ers are going to take with that number three draft selection. I have some particular thoughts because Mac Jones' name has been flown around a lot more than I feel that it should have. And if you remember my take on that from when the trade actually happened, I said Mac Jones is the name that you could probably eliminate first. And the media just doesn't (laughs) agree with me on that, apparently. So I'm going to argue my case. I'm going to talk about it on the show today. And then I do kind of want to talk about another team that was in the mix, you could say, to begin free agency in terms of getting a quarterback in the top five picks, but have been really, really quiet since then. And that's the Atlanta Falcons. Very, very curious as to why they're not making any noise. Uh, The 49ers actually did talk with the Falcons about trading into their draft slots. So whether that means they're comfortable with Matt Ryan or whether or not they're just being very, very quiet in the number four spot. I think there's a very real possibility that the Falcons take somebody like Trey Lance in that number four spot and give him a year to develop behind Matt Ryan. We'll talk about that towards the end of the show but starting off today continuing as promised the nfl free agency grades we are covering the nfc east today and as with last time we are going to be giving the grades first before we spiel about these teams and of course we're going in alphabetical order again so let's start with the dallas cowboys who get a c plus the cowboys main goal this offseason was first and foremost to re-sign Dak Prescott. And they did re-sign Dak Prescott, but because of Jerry Jones and his inability or his stubbornness in not wanting to pay Dak Prescott one to two years ago, it ended up being a $40 million contract with a bunch of voidable years instead of a $30 to $35 million contract, which would have been much more viable, especially with the fact that the salary cap actually depreciated in value this offseason. So much to Jerry Jones's chagrin, he signed Dak multiple years, forty million dollars, lots of money guaranteed, and that's great, you know, for the Cowboys in terms of getting that free agency signing done, nip it in the bud, and then just go and move on and focus on other parts of the team. But the the product of quality on uh, Dak's performance on the field it's going to be continued to be debated some people think he's great some people think he's not so great I'm kind of in the middle of him I've said from the very beginning I don't think he's a 40 million a dollar a year quarterback although it's not necessarily up to the talent it's really what the market is for a quarterback and the market was at 40 million dollars. But I think he's just right around the middle. Regardless of that, they got the quarterback. We'll see with some returning uh, members, some cast members of that offense if it could be just as good as it was in the first five weeks that Dak was playing last season. Other than that, the, the Cowboys more or less were relatively quiet. They did re-sign two out of the three cornerbacks that were free agents on their roster. They re-signed CJ Goodwin and Jordan Lewis. They let go of Chibob- Chidobi Awuzie, who left for Cincinnati. And the Cowboys also signed Keanu Neal from Atlanta. Although Neal is a little bit injury prone, he was a key part of Dan Quinn's defense when he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, Dan Quinn is now the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. So that's going to be a plug and and release piece later. It's a one-year deal, I think, for $5 million, something along that line. So it's going to be a one-year deal. Have Keanu Neal come in, see if he can still play, see if he can remain healthy, and if there are better options down the road, they can definitely exchange Neal if they wanted to. And as I said, other than that, the Cowboys were relatively silent. Their main thing was re-signing Dak and making sure that they can try and keep some of their cornerbacks that were... Going to leave in free agency, and they the addition of Neil is nice. They are gonna have to really nail on their draft picks, however, if they are going to be contenders, and that's why they are only getting a C plus for their free agency offseason for 2021. Moving on to the Eagles, who get a C minus. The Eagles overall have had a really disastrous season and beginning to the offseason. I've talked about it a lot on the show. The those of you who have been listening to the show for a couple of months now know that I've been trashing the Eagles. A little bit uh, over the course of the past few months. But in terms of this free agency period, the Eos really didn't do too bad. Uh, Their biggest signing was Anthony Harris from Minnesota on a one-year, $5 million deal. Ideally, he isn't going to be sticking around for the long term, but Harris is still one of the best safeties. He was one of the best safeties on the market. And they got him at a good price, considering that Minnesota franchise tagged him last year at its price tag of 11 million. So to get him at one year at 5 million is a great deal uh, for for the Eagles, especially since Harris is going to be on a rebound year. Really great deal for the Eagles. I was I was really surprised to see that the Eagles released Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, who were both really notable names, but realistically speaking, they weren't doing much in Philadelphia. And those will probably wind up as good releases. So the Eagles, obviously, they let go of Carson Wentz. They traded Carson Wentz. They're letting go a couple of wide receivers. And they signed Anthony Harris. They let go who who is going to be replacing Jalen Mills, who went to New England. So there's going to be a lot more subtraction than addition for the Eagles this offseason. But most of their subtraction is something that you could take a look at the roster and say, yeah, okay, you know, that, that subtraction actually made sense. And... It's, it's going to be rough for Philadelphia for a while, but now the Eagles really need to focus on getting some more wide receiver help, which if the Eagles don't take a wide receiver with their first selection in the NFL draft this season, I can imagine that Philadelphia sports fans are going to be getting their pitchforks because Jalen Rager, I don't think is going to be cutting it as the number one guy. They're going to need to get uh, go after a number one wide receiver this offseason. And especially with the dropping of Jeffrey and uh, Deshaun Jackson, it's even more evident. But regardless of that, Eagles didn't really have much to do this offseason. A lot of subtraction, or rather, a lot of addition by subtraction. They only get a C minus for this offseason. Moving on to the Washington football team, who get the first A plus so far in terms of my free agency grades, they get the first A plus. I've been saying on the podcast for a while that the Washington football team are going to be really, really good. Look out for the Washington football team. If they continue to stick with the Washington football team name, look out for Washington. I thought they were in prime position to be one of the best teams in the division this upcoming season. And with the free agency that they just had, man, they are in the position to potentially be like the best team in the division for multiple years to come. And, it's really geared on what they can do at quarterback. Obviously, they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick from Miami, who's going to be a short-term quarterback. They tenured Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, who got a two-year extension. So there are options there. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft if they do decide to go after a quarterback. I've been praising Matt Jones going to the Washington football team. If they can bring that together, I think that would be a great combination. But regardless of that, again, we already talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick, Washington's biggest signings were Curtis Samuel from Carolina, Adam Humphreys from Tennessee. Uh, Both those receivers are going to be an excellent addition to what I already thought was an underrated wide receiver core. In addition to Logan Thomas, the tight end, there was some article that was run by on the Washington football team now having two out of the top 25 wide receivers from the past couple seasons and like the number six. Uh, tight end so the Washington football team offense is going to be scary good next season Washington also nabbed the best cornerback on the market in William Jackson the third on a good value deal he'll be replacing Ronald Darby who left for Denver and in my mind by itself William Jackson is a huge upgrade over Ronald Darby I, th- I thought the Ronald Darby was a bit of a stretch signing for Denver when I talked about them in the AFC West video if you want to go back and watch my grades for those teams Washington did sign former Giants linebacker David Mayo, and they do have some work to do with working things out with some other linebackers of their own that are free agents, specifically Brian Kerrigan and Ruben Foster. But Washington has done a really good job this offseason. Now, the question is if they go after another QB in the draft. They do have some holes to fill, but I am very confident that, especially with a majority returning cast on defense and with the addition of William Jackson, that this defense is going to be incredibly good again, and they got much better on offense. This is an A plus for Washington in terms of their free agency off season grade. And last but not least, there is the Giants. The Giants free agency. Oops, before I get started, the Giants get a B plus for this year's free agency. They were very expensive signings or expensive dealings rather for New York this off but. If these signings pan out, this has really put the Giants in a position to be just under the Washington football team in terms of playoff contention, especially with that additional playoff slot. Uh, They really added some great members on the offensive side of the ball with Kyle Rudolph coming over from Minnesota. And, of course, the big signing that everybody wants to talk about, Kenny Galladay, four years. What was it? $72 million coming over from Detroit. Defensively, the Giants needed to re-sign Leonard Williams, and they did that. Again, very expensive, but he is without a doubt the leader of that defense and was their best defensive player last season. The Giants also signed Adoree Jackson from the Titans, so he will be a good piece again. Expensive, but a great piece to line up across from Bradbury. The Giants do need some more offensive line help, so maybe they take a lineman with their first pick in the or the first selection that they have in the NFL draft. Maybe Sean Slater, who has played both tackle and guard in college with Northwestern, so. Really, this season, as I've said before in the show, is about making sure Daniel Jones gets the best chance of success. This is the best chance... Uh, at success that Daniel Daniel Jones has had so far in a Giants uniform. They've gone out and gotten some really good pieces. They did lose Dalvin Tomlinson to Minnesota, who was a really key piece of that defensive line, but he can be replaceable with time. The Giants get a B-plus for this offseason, and that were the grades for the NFC East in terms of the 2021 free agency. What did you think? Did Did I miss a signing? Did I get a grade wrong? Do you agree or disagree with those? Make sure that you let me know in the comments section below that we will be covering the NFC. Which direction do we want to go? Do we want to go north or south? Let's go south. Let's cover the NFC South next show. So if your team is in the NFC South, make sure you are on the lookout for that segment. Before we start the segment, I, I do want to make something pretty clear. I, w- I want to make it explicitly clear. I like Mac Jones. I do. I like him as a person. I like him as a personality. I like him as a quarterback. I like him as an athlete. I like Mac Jones. I saw enough in the year that I've been watching him as a starter at Alabama to say, I see it. I see the potential in Mac Jones. I see him being a franchise starting level caliber quarterback. I can see that the numbers will say, well, for every guy that you say that about him being a franchise or starting level quarterback, about 60%, 60 to 70% of those guys end up busting out, but stats be damned. I like Mac Jones, and I think that he can be a very solid quarterback in the NFL. Now, with that being said, ever since the 49ers moved up from twelve to number three, And in case you've been living under a rock, the 49ers traded a couple of first-round picks, a third-round pick, to the Miami Dolphins to move up from 12 to 3. The Dolphins then turned that into trading with the Philadelphia Eagles, moving from 12 to 6, and the Eagles back from 6 to 12. In case you've been living under a rock. And ever since that trade, the the sports media revolving around the NFL has been fixated on what the San Francisco 49ers are going to do with that number three selection in this year's draft. And everybody can mostly mutually agree that the 49ers are going to be taking a quarterback. You don't waste all that draft capita to go and take an offensive tackle or a wide receiver. It just doesn't happen, and it would be plain stupid. Mostly everybody can agree on that, but where people tend to disagree is on who they are going to be taking at quarterback with that selection. And with the amount of quarterbacks that have been either mocked to be drafted in this slot or projected to be taken in the first round in a year in which a lot of teams probably could end up taking or using a quarterback, there's a lot of disagreement here. And the one the, the one name predominantly that I've been saying being taken by the 49ers in that number three draft slot is Mac Jones. Now, if you watched my take on the draft trade when it actually happened, I said that Matt Jones was probably the first name that I would scribble out of the conversation when it comes to who the 49ers should or will draft in that number three draft selection. So I've been seeing a whole bunch of Mac Jones to San Francisco, Mac Jones to San Francisco, Mac Jones to San Francisco. It could happen. It will happen. It should happen. And I'm just seeing here saying, I like Mac Jones. I mean, I I dedicated the first 30 seconds of this segment to tell you how much I like Mac Jones as a quarterback prospect. I like Mac Jones. Just not enough to draft him in that number three draft selection. I think if the 49ers ended up drafting Mac Jones in that draft slot, it would be a tremendous oversight and a tremendous misevaluation of talent by the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason being is that. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo can do everything that Mac Jones can, apart from staying healthy. And sure, the best ability is availability. But who's to say that Mac Jones doesn't get into action and gets hurt immediately as well? Injuries in the NFL, especially in the NFL, but really much in every sport, you walk out on the field every single day with, I would say, a 50-50 chance of getting injured in some way. You know, Injuries happen with the NFL more than any other sport, I would, I would argue. And I'm taking a look at at Mac Jones' skill set. He's a pocket passer. He's got really good game IQ. Good short to medium length passer. He can really sling it at medium range when he needs to. He misses some long range throws from time to time. But I think if you know if he were an offense with George Kittle, I can see what people are seeing. He's got that good medium range accuracy. He can miss some long throws, but he's he's pre- predominantly a game manager pocket passer who can sling it in short and medium situations and sometimes hit the home run when he needs to. I think I think the wide receivers that he had at Alabama definitely definitely made Mac Jones look a little bit better than he actually is. I will make that critique. But I'm taking a look at that and I'm saying Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo can do almost all of that as well. So if you're going to be drafting somebody with a number 3 overall draft selection, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you need to have somebody that is more unique than Mac Jones is. It's not the fact that I don't like Mac Jones. Again, I've, I've made it explicitly clear a couple times on the segment. I like Mac Jones. But if you're going to draft somebody at number three overall to replace Jimmy Garoppolo and immediately place him on a contending team, you need to have a quarterback that has just a little bit more than ordinary. And Mac Jones is more on the side of ordinary than I think I would probably like. So I would take Justin Fields or Trey Lance over Mac Jones. Again, it's not that I don't like Mac Jones. I think I just see more of the ordinary in Mac Jones than I do in any of the other quarterbacks that have been slotted or mocked to be drafted by the San Francisco 49ers in this situation. And Kyle Shanahan is such a brilliant offensive mind, a brilliant play caller. I just don't think, and I, my, my, my logic would point me to the theory that I don't think that Mac Jones and Kyle Shanahan would necessarily be the best potential or 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 have the highest ceiling together i see more potential in the combination with trey lance and i see more potential in the combination between uh justin fields and kyle shanahan justin fields has shown an incredible ability to play through injuries people forget how justin fields was playing through not only the college football playoff game but the entirety of the national championship game injured and he, he definitely looked injured, but for more for more or less he looked pretty good. Justin Fields can play through injury. He's got mobile legs, he's got a strong arm. He's got a good mentality. For for the longest time he was considered to be quote unquote Trevor Lawrence's backup. I I guess QB one and QB two, but very, very close together. And Trey Lance, who's been uh, at North Dakota State, he only played one game this year, a bit of a mitts bag, but he played an entire year, entire year last year. And he, and he looked good. He looked really good. He's going to need a year to develop. I would probably draft Justin Fields over Trey Lance if I'm San Francisco. But I can definitely see with an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan, with an athlete like Trey Lance, how that offense can turn into something extremely scary down the road. And whereas I see the offense being unique and scary in San Francisco with Justin Fields and Trey Lance, I see it being ordinary with Mac Jones. And again, for probably the fourth or fifth time during the segment, I like Mac Jones. I just don't think he's the right fit for San Francisco. So if Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers draft Mac Jones in that draft selection or that draft slot, they must either see something in Mac Jones that we, the common media, do not see, or it's a gross misevaluation of talent, and it's going to be a bad pick. And that's kind of my reaction and what my thinking has been when I've been seeing plastered all over my ESPN app and all over YouTube recently and all over the sports debate shows, Mac Jones to 49ers, Mac Jones to 49ers. I'm still sitting here at my desk. Having watched... A bunch of Justin Fields, a bunch of Mac Jones, and a little bit of Trey Lance film since he didn't play last season because North Dakota Dakota State shut down the, the season last season. Watching the game fill on all of them, don't get me wrong, Mac Jones had a tremendous season and he was impressive. And I've seen enough potential in him to say, yes, that could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But as I've been saying, Mac Jones borders more on the line of ordinary than extraordinary. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a great quarterback Just doesn't mean he's going to be unique, and I think that Kyle Shanahan can do more with a unique quarterback. He's already a brilliant offensive mind. It's going to be extremely interesting to see what he can do with Justin Fields or Trey Lance if they decide to draft him in that draft slot. Now, I guess the elephant in the room is that they would really like Zach Wilson, but the more and more I think about it, the more I think, look, if the the San Francisco 49ers could only trade up to three, they have to have asked the Jets for their number two draft selection, right? They have to. They have to have. So I would border on the side of the Jets taking Zach Wilson with the other two, so that means Fields or Lance. And I guess Mac Jones, if if you're the media at large, I just don't see it. As much as I like Mac Jones, I just don't see it. So let me know what you think. Are the 49ers really going to take a shot? At Matt Jones with the number three overall draft selection in this year's NFL draft, or do they go after one of the other quarterbacks available? Let me know what you think. I'm interested to hear what you think. And sitting sitting right behind the San Francisco 49ers is the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons, with the season that they had, were very much under the spotlight of saying, okay, the head coach is gone. Matt Ryan is now 38. Hold on, let me double-check that really quickly. Matt Ryan age, I believe he's 38. Oh, he's 35. Okay, so he's not even that old. He's not as old as I thought he was, but still my point remaining the same. If there's going to be a new regime in Atlanta, new head coach, new general manager, if you're really content on blowing everything up and starting over, I don't think there's a better opportunity to get a quarterback for the future than there is in this draft class. This QB draft class probably is the best draft class since the 2012 draft class with Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Andrew Luck. It's probably going to be the best draft class of quarterbacks since 2012. Uh, and you know, sure, there's been some hits like Josh Allen. Um, Jared Goff at times has been a pretty good quarterback. There have been some hits. There have been some misses, but... Essentially, since the 2012 draft class, I don't think there has been a a, a class projected to be better than this draft class. So, going into the offseason, everybody's thinking, okay, well, Matt Ryan is, is 35. He's got a huge expensive contract. You're going to want to get out of that contract eventually. But if you're not ready to move on from Matt Ryan yet, you should probably draft a quarterback, sit him a year. And see what happens. Now, Trey Lance is somebody that has been projected to be a really good quarterback, but consensus is, is that he needs a year to develop. He needs a year to adjust to the NFL game. He needs to adjust from playing FCS opponents to playing legitimate NFL opponents. So the fact that, you know, the Falcons are so quiet at the number four spots has me a little bit suspicious. I could definitely see a world in which in which Atlanta swipes out from under you know the, the 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 shadows comes in and snags a quarterback and throws the entire NFL draft off and personally I think the idea of Trey Lance in Atlanta would be a pretty interesting combination Arthur Smith coming from uh the system in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill now Ryan Tannehill is not the most mobile quarterback but his legs are a weapon and are consistently used as a weapon in that Tennessee offense, I could definitely see a world in which Arthur Smith implements a similar type of offense being the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and preparing that offense for Trey Lance a year or two down the road. Now, it's kind of funny because I spent about, you know, six to 10 minutes rambling about how I didn't think that Mac Jones was a good fit in San Francisco and how, you know, Trey Lance would be a better fit there. And if you look at the, the The offense schematically, you could say, well, Mac Jones is probably a better fit in Atlanta than Trey Lance is there. Kind of funny how that works, but when it comes to team need as to what they need in a big picture organizational sense, Atlanta probably can use a quarterback in which they can sit for a year and have him develop and have that be a more viable option, a cheaper option, if you will. Now you can make the argument. Well, yeah, all these NFL teams could, you know, sit their first, you know, first round draft selection QB. Anyways, look, Trevor Lawrence is going to start. Wilson's probably going to start. Whoever the San Francisco 49ers draft at number three is going to start. But with uh, with Matt Ryan's ginormous contract in Atlanta, I think Trey Lance going there, sitting a year, is an extremely exciting option for the NFL and an extremely exciting option for Atlanta, who probably would want to get out from under that contract sooner rather than later. And let's be truthful, pretty much ever since the 2017 Super Bowl, pretty much ever since that halftime, things have not been going well for Atlanta, and things probably do need a flip over, a turn over, a new leaf, and that's not directly Matt Ryan's fault. There's there's plenty more wrong than just Matt Ryan. In fact, Matt Ryan has played you know relatively well, all things considered, but if you're if you're really going to blow the farm up as I've said there's probably not a better chance to get your franchise quarterback of the future than there is to draft Trey Lance at number four if he's there and available if he's not there and available I say well okay then maybe there's going to be somebody in a subsequent draft that you can go and select maybe Matt Ryan's leash gets a little bit longer a lot of experts have Kyle Pitts going to the Falcons at number four and I think that would be a tremendous draft selection as well think about an offense with Julio Jones Calvin Ridley Kyle Pitts and, you know, maybe the Falcons go for a quarterback in later rounds, maybe like a Kellen Mond, maybe like a Kyle Trask. There are options there. There are plenty of options there for Atlanta. I just think they're being very suspiciously quiet at number four. Again, maybe that's not all they're doing, and maybe it's a perfect smokescreen for Atlanta because the media, as I've said on the show already, is like Mac Jones. Mac Jones to San Francisco. 49ers have the third overall selection. What are they going to do with that? It's like a ravenous pack of wolves. Some NFL sports news happens, and that's literally uh, anybody can talk about. (laughs) <laughs> for the next, you know, three or four days. Everybody's interested in what's gonna happen with that number three pick. And I'm sitting here saying, look, Atlanta is being very, very quiet at number four. And do not be surprised if they come in and swoop a quarterback under everybody's noses. And if that quarterback is Trey Lance, I think that's a win-win situation for Atlanta. You get the guy that has tremendous upside, but probably needs a year to sit behind somebody in the NFL and adjust. And look, Matt Ryan is no slouch. He's really not no such. He's probably the best part of the Falcons teams that have been declining slowly ever since that Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. Look, I like the idea. I think it's interesting. I think that would be exciting for the NFL if he's available. Look out for Trey Lance going to Atlanta at number four. The Falcons are being very, very suspicious, very, very sneaky. Uh, I do think, again, if 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 they decide to go with Kyle Pitts at number four, That would be a good draft selection as well. They need a tight end in Atlanta. But we shall see. Again, you always got to look out for the quiet ones, folks. Always got to look out for the quiet ones. Atlanta is being very, very quiet. It's making me very, very suspicious. But that's the end of the show today. Again, very short one. Happy Easter, everybody. Go and spend some time with your family if you uh, celebrate that. If you don't celebrate that, have a happy weekend. Enjoy your time with friends and family. I will see you all next week, hopefully with some more sports to talk about. ML, the MLB season did just start. I wanted to take more time before releasing an MLB predictions video. Uh, baseball is my weakest sport in terms of, of overall knowledge, so I wanted to take some extra time to make sure that I have that nailed down so that will probably be occurring next week but with that being said you've been listening to the hard-headed sports podcast this is episode number 33 hosted by me Nick Ryan and with that being said stay hard-headed but have a nice day